0: Hello everyone, this is Tim Dodd. Welcome to the Believer's Faith Challenge podcast.
1: i to give witness to tens of thousands, yes, and to the millions that believe it. And believes in believe that God's going to let me live to pack it
0: until all around the world it's been circulated.
1: Greetings, brothers and sisters, and welcome to another episode of the Believer's Faith Challenge podcast. I'm back in the studio with Brother Tim Dad. I'm not sick. I have no COVID <laughs> like I missed last, last week um, or two weeks ago, rather. But I'm back in the studio Brother team. Today, I'm super excited. It's an interesting episode we're doing today. We've been wanting to do this for the past couple of weeks. It's a Q&A session, questions and answers on missions in general. Now, this is following a few episodes that we've done on principles of missions in the end time and uh, Brother Tim covered that about three weeks ago, followed by Brother Ed Hammermeister, pastor in, in Alberta, episode one and two. The last one was published last Sunday. So today we want to take your questions and we've received around 15 to 20 questions or so. We might not get the time to answer all of them, but we're super excited to hear Brother Tim here and we can have a conversation around your questions. Brother Tim. Thank you, Brother
0: John. It's good to be here and we trust that uh, we'll be able to... Uh, correctly or at least adequately answer questions sometimes questions are difficult sometimes they're very easy but uh, questions around missions it's always good sometimes I deal with one-on-one so it's good to do it in a podcast and be able to answer so let's get right into it brother Jean and we'll just jump right in and trust that the Lord will bless our our podcast today
1: Amen. So I'm going to be reading these questions and as you know, they're all anonymous and we'll be answering them in no particular order. Maybe I should have categorized them, but we'll just, we'll just read them as, as we have them listed here. Question number one, I guess this is from a local person here in, by the way, we seem to be focusing all of our attention in Uganda and Ethiopia. Does our vision for missions include any new countries or fields in the future? Well, we want to do as much as the
0: Lord will lead us to do, but I want to uh, go back, take a step back and say, oftentimes, though, the mission field that is the busiest or where there's the most happening is the one that gets the most attention. Mm-hmm. And so we find that way in Uganda and Ethiopia. Uganda and Ethiopia is by no means our main focus. Uh, it is... a it, occupies a lot of our focus. Our main focus is actually translation work. Right, That's our main focus. And uh, we do a lot of translations related to the message hub. Uh, for example, if I so if I would say, what is our priorities? I would say, number one, uh, it's getting the message into the hands of the people, which means getting it into their language. Right. Okay. Uh, and then there are several places that we are intricately involved in, such as Uganda, Ethiopia, China, Angola, different places where uh, there's been a specific need that has been made known. And so then we we work with brothers in those countries, we work in those countries to further the gospel to those people. So let me go back uh, and say something that people might not be aware of, and I'm going to take advantage of this question to give some uh Detail Mm -hmm. because a lot of times, in the when I'm ministering in the pulpit, even giving a mission report, you're in a very limited time constraint of a service, and so you don't want to occupy the service with a lot of uh, a lot of detail, a lot of small detail with regards to what God is doing. But let me do that now. Uh, right now, Bible Believers is sponsoring a number of languages in translation that go beyond the places that we've just mentioned. For example, the Yoruba language for Nigeria. Nigeria, yeah. The uh, Kurundi language for Burundi, okay? The Setswana language, we're working with the brothers there and a sister in our church for the country of Botswana. Right. The Tagalog language, there's a brother in the Philippines that's working in the Tagalog language. We've had an, uh, probably a couple of hundred Tagalog uh, translations over the years completed, but uh, there's been a renewed interest uh, to get the message further developed in that language. So we're we're helping to sponsor that. The Aymara language, which is in the a tribal language in Bolivia, Peru area. So we're helping uh, them do some translation there. I I'm almost um, what can I say. I don't want to say I'm jumping the gun, but we're just going to be adding the Kichwa language, which is another tribal language from South America. Mm. And they're just working on the Church Age book. And we have already the first two chapters of the Church Age book. We just haven't released it yet on the Internet. Okay. And so we're, we're assisting the brothers there. It hasn't been a heavy financial burden for us. The brothers there are carrying most, if not all, of the financial burden at this time. Uh, So then we also have the Arabic language from Brother Jason to Mars that we we help him a little bit from time to time in the translation work there. So those are languages that we are, as Bible believers, currently sponsoring in one way or another. Mm -hmm. But if we look at the Message Hub, and this is why I say I want to get into some detail here, I want people to know what's happening on the Message Hub because it doesn't just show up anywhere. Oftentimes it goes unmentioned. The fact that we we upload almost 200 translations a month wow. into the message hub in various languages. So I just look back over the month of August and say, what have we done in the month of August? What languages have been uploaded? So bear with me, but I'm gonna I'm gonna list them for you: Karamajong and Ateso, both from Uganda, which are fairly well known because we talk about Uganda. Afanaromo and Amharic from Ethiopia. Yeah. Right, so we know those. From India, the Hindi language, the Oriya language, the Telugu language are all being, have all been uploaded translations in August. We've seen a Latvian translation uploaded. Afrikaans is quite active from South Africa. It's been uploaded. The Urdu language from Pakistan is an active language. And when I'm listing these languages, these are often either sponsored by other churches or they are uh, translators that are working without sponsorship. And they're working maybe within the framework of their own church. Uh, Kenya Rwanda from Rwanda is still active and being uploaded in August. The Bemba language from Zambia. The Fijian language, you probably know that's from Fiji. (laughs) And... uh, the Portuguese language from Brazil, and and from Europe. Now they're two different right. dialects, so they're both being worked on there. The Swahili language from several African countries, uh, like Kenya, Tanzania, mm-hmm. uh, Malawi. Those areas. Uh, the Italian language is being worked on by some believers there. The Shona language from Zimbabwe. The Serbian language from Serbia. These are all uploaded in August. The Danish language, the Marathi language from India, I failed to mention that one. Indonesian, from Indonesia, of course. Japanese. And those are all languages that translations have been uploaded in just during the month of August. Wow, just in August. So there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes Mm -hmm. that a lot of times we just don't have the time to mention it in a service and especially for local believers and it's it's always it's exciting when you talk about it but it's always disappointing because I see things go through regularly that uh it's like oh I wish I had time to mention this or mm-hmm. I wish I had time to bring this to people's attention yeah. if it's significant enough we try and put an article up on the website to bring people's attention which we've got some new articles going up on the website fairly soon so different things that happen and it's exciting times in the message around the world. So mm-hmm. there's uh, so is there other missions, vision, new countries? There's a lot of countries. And uh, I know Brother Tom and Brother Murphy will be traveling to the Philippines here in, uh, in September, at the end of September, last two weeks of September, and they'll be uh, ministering amongst the brothers there. I think they're traveling out into the tribal areas. And so a lot of times when a minister goes on the field, and sees what's happening i don't want to steal their thunder and and say what all is happening but there'll be quite a gathering of believers from around uh, southeast asia and they'll be uh gathering there in the philippines so i'm looking forward to the reports from those from that trip
1: all right well let me expand a little bit here on the second part of this question which talks about the vision uh for new countries so Many times over the pulpit I've heard, even just in conversation, I've heard of countries that the message has not reached yet. What's our vision or even for the countries that we're now currently in, what's the process like to get into a new country? Like how how do we get involved in a new country such as Uganda, Ethiopia? Can you just give us a little bit of, a, I don't want to say a blueprint because every country is different, but what's your thinking process and what, what what happens behind the scene before that decision is made to say, let's get involved?
0: Yeah, there is there is definitely um, a lot of detail to that. The number one thing is that God opens the door, and we've talked about that before. Uh, it's not up to us to open doors. We, we're not doing missions to try and create An avenue for people to give. We labor in the fields that God gives us to work in. And so there's brothers all around the world, pastors, especially in the Western world, that do outreach in different countries, different continents. And uh, we appreciate each and every one of them, and each and every one has their own burden, their own mission. And so we generally get involved in places where um, a door opens, Ethiopia, we've talked about that one, but Angola was a place where, you know, we were at a convention in Germany and some Angolan brothers asked us to come and help them get message books. Uh, We tried to make some contact. There's a real language barrier there in Angola with the Portuguese language. And so it didn't really materialize at that time, but it wasn't long after that until the Lord sovereignly moved a brother who had recently moved to Cloverdale had sovereignly placed him with his company in Angola. Mm-hmm. And so we just put two and two together and said okay this may be our opportunity right. and so we just used him to reach out and there was other brothers who had worked in Angola and so there's slowly contacts are developed uh, needs are understood and then we begin to try and help the people there and we're still still working in Angola at this time
1: all right question number two so just to summarize the answer to question number one though it seems like all our attention is in Uganda and Ethiopia because that's where most is happening we do get involved in a lot of things on a monthly basis and our focus is actually translation Mm -hmm. so I'm just summarizing your answer there question number two what is the process for verifying foreign languages translations uploaded to the hub The yeah. prophets vernacular can be hard to understand for English speakers so how are we ensuring that the message is being translated in the best quality?
0: That's a very good question and translation is always um, and accuracy of translation is always of vital importance. The old model was find a translator find a proofreader you know brother or sister and get them to work as a team and one translates, one proofreads. Um, of late, we have moved more into a team concept uh, where possible mm-hmm. in languages, so that we might have a team of five, six, seven translators that uh, all translate and proofread. Okay. So someone translates a message and someone else proofreads it. You know, they'll upload it in the to the message hub. In uh, translated form, but just because something's uploaded to the Message Hub, it's not published until it's been proofread. Okay. So uh, we have different stages in the Message Hub of progression of the translation. So somebody uh, uploads a raw uh, translation, then the proofreader has to go through it, do his corrections, and all of that. Then it's all verified and then published to the Message Hub for public uh, consumption. Okay. So that's how we we do it generally now. We've moved also into another field uh, and that is artificial intelligence. Uh The easy translate portion of the message hub and that instead of the translator doing the raw translation, we get a, um, a computer, um, program program to do the, uh, the beginning translation. Right. And then the translators proofread it. Okay. So they, they, go through it and accept or reject what the computer has generated. The computer-generated translations have really advanced in recent years. True. And they've been very, very helpful. So I know other translation sites are using the artificial intelligence as well. And that's uh, it's very handy in that you don't need to have both a translator and a proofreader. The original translation is done. And uh, one of the things that I've stressed to all translators and to everybody that works on our site, no message is published that hasn't seen human eyes or hasn't been seen by human eyes. Mm -hmm. Uh, We don't rely on the computer generated translations to produce uh, a finished product. We use them to produce a raw product. And then we have our teams go through it and and, uh, proofread them so that uh, we can determine the accuracy. A machine will never be a hundred percent accurate course yeah. the nuances of languages how many languages do you speak brother john
1: fluently two two okay and uh, i can understand two others okay so maybe four or eight all right so you're three you're three
0: more advanced than i am <laughs> i only really understand and speak english but the english is the most accurate text and uh, a lot of work has been put into the english transcription to make sure that it is accurate but uh, we need uh, believers that are dedicated to producing accuracy in their language so that's kind of the process that we
1: use all right as as you're answering this question i have a question follow-up mm-hmm. that that just came in live here since we, we were live, and the question is there is there a test or a vetting process for proof readers so since we were talking about some people are translated, some proofread, and this is especially for minority languages. So say in a language like uh, some of the ones that you mentioned in South America, Mm -hmm. that nobody really, at least here in North America, understands. And how how are we ensuring or vetting those proofreaders?
0: Yeah, that's a good question. Um, The simple answer is that we don't let anybody on the message up. You know, everybody that comes, that gains access to a particular language on the message hub, so somebody might start translating in in uh, Tagalog, let's take a Philippine language. And mm-hmm. So uh, so that we know the ministers in the Philippines and we will uh, say, you know this brother who's your pastor? We talk to the pastor, is this okay. a good brother? Does he have a, a good knowledge? And in that case, it's a knowledge of English that we want. Yeah not necessarily a knowledge of their language. The fact that they live in that country and are able to speak their language is a given. Mm-hmm. But uh, do they understand English well enough to be a translator or a proofreader? Right. And so there's a little bit of a vetting process that we go through to be able to understand how that works.
1: Okay. I didn't even know that myself. So <laughs> uh, we learned something here on the podcast. There you go. All right. Question number three Um what are we doing or planning to do for local outreach? I guess this is for somebody that's local. And I guess they hear what's happening in Uganda and Ethiopia and all over the world. They're like, what about us here in BC? What are we doing here? Or what are we planning to do? That's a good question. Let me answer it simply. What are you going to do? (laughs) Let
0: me answer the question with a question. Um, The local outreach is based on the burden of the local church. See, when we get involved with Brothers Overseas, it's with local ministry. Mm-hmm. And so it's their burden that carries our mission effort forward. We're simply helping the local churches to reach out to the people. So it's the same locally here. Local outreach is not run by the missions department. Right. Local outreach is run by the pastor and by the 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 local ministers and and all always under the headship of the local pastor. Right. And when he uh, feels led to do something, or somebody feels led to do something. They should hey, first of all run it by the local pastor, and say, okay, you know this is uh, something I feel led to do. Are you behind that? Right. But one of the things I'll say, local outreach is something that is should be constantly ongoing, in the form that, as Brother Brano says, he says um, he says it in a few places. But let me read, uh, for example, "Let your light shine before men." He says, we're his representatives, we're his billboards, Mm -hmm. we advertise him. You don't have to have a lot of fancy stuff, uh, a lot of doctor, PhD, LLD, a great sanctified church, so on and so forth, founded way back, so on and so forth. He says, make them hungry. And a good example is a testimony that I gave just this past Sunday at the end of the service about a 14-year-old boy in school that may that was so salty, the rest of the students started to see their salvation in Christ. Mm-hmm. And before they broke us for the end of a semester, before they they broke up the school for a holiday, they have boarding schools there, they all said to the young man, says, Take us to your pastor. We all need to be baptized. Mm-hmm. And there was about 50 of them baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Wow. You could say that's missions, but it's not. It's local outreach. Right. And so local outreach is something that's constant and
1: ongoing and you are the local outreach. Amen. All right. Well, there's a lot more questions here. And we are we're doing good for time, so let's keep going here. All right. And this one is similar to the previous question, it's still about local outreach. And and I like the way the way it's formulated here. It says, "Is there a way of showing the same passion of missions on a local scale in BC?" We love what God is doing in Africa, but are we only dedicated to that? Good question. Again,
0: we go back to the open door and what door God's o- God is opening. Uh, in North America, Brother Branham said, in the late 50s, the revival's over. And that's the reality mm-hmm. of it. We're not going to see a widespread move of God in As much as I would love to. And I've prayed about it and, and, you know, looked at the things that the prophet of God said. Uh, Is it, does that mean that it's all closed? No, Brother Branham said, you'll see little local things spring up here and there. Mm -hmm. So in that regard, we won't see it here like they see it in Africa or maybe Asia, China, different places, just because the people are hardened to it and the this the Americas, as Brother Bram says, is burnt over with Christianity. Mm-hmm. There's so many false Christianities that it's just deadened the voice of the true. Yep. And the people have become hard of hearing, and not willing to listen to the truth of God's word. Mm-hmm. Would yeah. I love to see it? I would love to see it. I'd love to see something break out just down the road here. You know, we live in Surrey. Surrey is little India. Ah. Uh, you know,
1: that's my burden.
0: We have. There's a lot of Indian people that have immigrated here mostly from the Punjab. Mm-hmm. Where I've I've preached in the Punjab many, many times. And so to be able to see God open a door amongst the local people, yep. maybe the immigrant population. And that may be where we see more
1: of a stir. Yeah. hundred percent. And that's my burden that I've expressed many, many brothers and I've looked to the Lord for that. And I'm, I'm so trusting that there'll be some open doors in that community here. Amen. So for the person to ask this question, pray. pray. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. That's what we need is
0: real burdened people to pray. Yes, you know, sir. It's exciting times when God opens something sovereignly. And and it, Brother Bram says in one place, a revival is sovereignly sent of God. Mm-hmm. It's not to make the mechanics, and I'm paraphrasing here, but to pray for God to send the dynamics. Amen. And so, that's really the reality of it—a move of God. You know, we love to see God move in our church. Get excited, shout, sing, dance, whatever. You know, people just whatever that, however they want to manifest the joy of the Lord in their in their life. We re, we rejoice in that. But the greater thing that I see is the joy of seeing souls come yes, in and God begin to move in a certain way. Mm-hmm. That is that is a very, very powerful experience Amen. to be a part
1: of. This one is a little bit of a lengthy question, but oh my it's, it's so rich. I think you enjoy this one. It says in the earlier missionary age, we saw some denominations more into humanitarian efforts. Humanitarian aid has sometimes been abused in a way that is expected for missionaries to provide. But we've seen ministers in different countries use humanitarian aid as a tool to gather people who they may otherwise not be able to be in contact with. So as a way to be able to preach the word to them before they receive their gift. Does physical humanitarian aid still have a place in missions work in the age that we're living in? It's a very good question.
0: It is a good question. And let me zero in on it a little bit i'll start by by saying yes or no and that is that i don't believe humanitarian aid has a place in drawing people but i do believe that there are times that you have to reach into your pocket and help somebody if they're hungry if they have no clothes if they uh, you know if they have no roof over their head that sort of thing so there there is a time and a place for that but the first thing now that must happen is is that the word be quickened to them mm. if the word doesn't draw them you you don't want to draw them by humanitarian aid and have them become reliant upon that as and and then you question whether they're a real believer or not you want to see the word quicken them the, because that is what the church is built upon upon this rock I'll build my church it's the revelation of Jesus Christ personally to them, uh-huh. and when God does something for somebody, and you know you you can't see your brother or sister be destitute and and in need and not do something about it. Like in uh, Uganda, for example, a number of uh, f- of women preachers came to the message and gave up their pulpits, which is to give up their livelihood. Uh-huh. And as a result, you know, their families are going uh, into poverty and, and all of that. Whereas before they had the income from the church, but they give their pulpits over to men to, to pastor the church. You have to do something for those sisters, just like right. widows and fatherless. And that's what the scripture describes. Okay.
1: I, I, I understand the answer and I'm in full agreement, but I, I have a question mm-hmm. follow up here. In, in the early days, actually, not even in the early days, but a, a huge part of Brother Branham's ministry was, was healing. Healing mm-hmm. was the bait, right? Mm-hmm. And people came for that and he drew the crowd and then the word came forth. I guess maybe this brother is asking, is there any instance where that's appropriate to do, such as going to a place where there is no... Uh, school material or no uh, clothing or no shoes and says, hey, come and get some free shoes. Mm -hmm. And everybody gathers to the free shoes, but then somebody preaches and ministers to them and then somebody hears the message for the first time. They came from the shoe and they go back with the message book. Is is that something that you see um, as an effective and efficient tool to use or not at all? I I don't think it's necessary. Okay.
0: It's it's a a little bit... Of an effort that's not really necessary in these countries, the brothers are going out on the streets and preaching. Mm-hmm. Gather a crowd on the streets, and they're 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 not giving them anything other than the word of God. Right, and so the, it's not like Canada or America where you preach on the street. All you're going to do is get a bunch of ridicule. <laughs> in those countries, you'll have a service in the middle of the street. People will sit mm-hmm. down and listen and be thankful somebody's preaching to them. Mm. And so, a lot of the poorer countries in the world which are the people that, you, as you say, would be drawn to some kind of humanitarian yeah. effort, uh, those same poor people will just sit down and listen to you. It's they true. have
1: nothing else to do. It's true. True observation. All right. Um, here's a question about the message hub. Would there be audio added to the message hub mobile? And beyond, second part of the question is, beyond monetary support, how else can one support missions? Okay. Uh, first of all, the
0: audio on the message hub, we would like to, and we've talked about it. It's a major project and, uh, it is, uh, you could say in the pipeline of, of improvements that we want to do to the message hub. Mm-hmm. I don't see it as being imminently around the corner. So, um, yes, and, but don't hold your breath. <laughs> That's number one, um, uh, number two sorry what was the second part of the question
1: the second part of the question is beyond monetary support
0: okay how can one support missions right well prayer um and if you're you know if you have contact in your church with uh whomever does missions the pastor whatever you know if you've got a burden to physically do something i i just met with a young brother the other day who who gained a certain skill set in school. And uh, I said to him, says, hey, why don't you put that to work for missions? Mm-hmm. I'll give you something to do. Let's try it out. And he was all, he says he was so happy because he, he felt like it was maybe a bit of a waste of time for what he learned at school in, in the, the technical school that he went to. And it didn't really open up a career path for him. But it might be a, a set of skills that we can put to use in the kingdom of God. So sometimes there's projects to volunteer mm. and uh, and do things. So, um, but generally, uh, get behind what you do, what what your church is doing, and you know support it, be a part of it, and whatever way you can. Especially, pray for those that are laboring
1: on the mission field. Amen. Prayer is always in season, and I I, I like that answer about putting your your talent and your skills to use Uh, like we have a lot of things going on like the message app mobile application or the message app website or the translator's website Uh, even the missions podcast that we do on a weekly basis so there's a lot of things that one can do to get involved in Mm -hmm. and support missions beyond monetary uh, assistance or support Uh, here's a question about Uganda two questions actually number one is approximately how many groups are there now in Uganda I mean, that's, that's kind of hard to assess. Mm. And I think they're not asking about established churches be, before our involvement, but since our involvement in Uganda, approximately how many groups are there? Well, let me...
0: When we originally did a list of churches that need some sort of support for a building... Because they've been kicked out of their denomination, these are not including the groups that already have a place, but this the groups that need help. There was over a hundred. Now there's over two hundred. Wow, and so you're talking, and then you add on the groups that are, um, that are in already have a place. They're they're adequately supplied for as far as a place of worship. In um, I think it was 2020, no, 2021, I went to Uganda and one of the services I preached was just to ministers. In that service to ministers, there was 1,200 ministers, all new to the message. In one service? In one service. That was after I'd already preached to about 300 ministers in another area, all new to the message.
1: Mm.
0: And this number was depressed because of, I limited the brothers' funds to bring people into the meeting.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So easily could have been I did speak to fifteen hundred new ministers, easily could have been 2,000, 2,500. Now think about that. Two thousand to twenty five hundred new message ministers right. in the last five, six years. And of course, if you, you know, extrapolate out if if the average church size was fifty people. You know, 2,500, uh, you're talking 125,000, I think, if my math is right. So you're, you're, you've are you got, there's huge numbers of people that are being affected by the message over uh-huh. there. In varying degrees, Brother Fred, Brother Steve in a valley, uh, different ones have ministers meetings regularly to ground the brothers, the ministers in the word of God, in addition to the books that they've Get the the Hebrews book, the Church Age book, the Seals book, uh, and in addition to individual message books uh, for their congregations, the the work is huge, and the numbers of groups are almost beyond counting. And so that that kind of give you a broad idea of what's happening there.
1: All right. So if you're looking on the average of, say, 50 people per church, is based on the numbers that you mentioned, so we're looking at at least 300, easily, three 350. It seems to be. Uh, different groups. Yeah. Okay. Still on the, on the subject of Uganda, another question is, which denominations are these people getting baptized coming from in general? Are we seeing a, a, a pattern here? Uh, no.
0: Every time we think we see a pattern, it breaks into a new area. <laughs> For example, originally it was mostly Pentecostals. Okay. And, you know, God opened the door into the Pentecostal churches by getting a hold of some Pentecostal leaders, men that were well-respected in the denomination. So the message began to spread amongst the Pentecostal ranks. And then when we thought, well, that was seems to be what God was doing, then all of a sudden it broke through to the Baptist ranks. And the Baptist people began to... Come in in some of the areas, and then when we thought that was it, then the Methodists begin to receive the message, and then when we thought that was it, when then over in one area it was Seventh Day Adventists, and they began to <laughs> embrace the message of the hour. So, so there's definitely um, those are the main titles of groups, and the pen to say Pentecostal covers a wide variety of denominations. True. There's yeah. all kinds of Pentecostal denominations over there. Supported different groups, independents. Um, you know, you've got UPC Church of God. Uh, uh, what is the the big American denomination? Um, the UPC? Uh, no, uh, they're not that big. It's it's uh, Assemblies of God. Uh, assemblies is, is what right. I'm referring to. And you've got the different countries also sponsoring their brand of Pentecostalism. So, yeah, it's. Those are the main items, those are the main (laughs) denominations. All right. I I think, Brother Jean, this would be a good place to stop here. And uh, maybe we can continue on next week with some of the other questions. So I trust that this has been a blessing to everybody. I'm not going to say anything other than this has been really good to hear from the people in the field, in the listening field that have questions about missions, because I'm not a prophet. And we're not prophets. And so we we don't know what people are thinking. And Brother Branham would often have questions and answers. And so it's not maybe a local church idea of questions and answers. But I hope that uh, this will be a blessing to you. And we'll continue on next week with the rest of the questions. Thank you, Brother Tim. Thank you, everyone. God bless you. Thank you for joining us on the podcast today. Remember, friends... The bridegroom will not come until the bride has made herself ready. She must be both called and fully dressed by the word of
1: God. This was another episode of the Believers Faith Challenge Report podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you're interested in more podcasts and more content as it pertains to mission, please go to our website at bibleway.org. That's bibleway.org and subscribe to our newsletter we will make sure that we send you updates on a weekly basis of the works that the Lord is doing all over the world. Additionally, you can send us an email at info at bible-believers.org. That's info at bible-believers.org. And once again, we'd like to thank you for your support. This podcast would not be a success without you. Until next time, may God bless you.